And thank you again for being here on this Saturday evening. We want to thank old Savannah, Pastor Austin, and all the folks here. Thank you so much for coming, being a part of the service tonight. When we were here a few months ago, and it seems like just how how time flies by, and uh, I mentioned a gentleman when I was preaching uh, that got saved in an extended meeting we were doing in the Kingsport, Tennessee, over in Yuma, Virginia. And uh, I thought it would be such a great uh, uh, thing to bring that connection together. Since you're hungry for revival, and that church has experienced revival there in Yuma, Virginia, Oakland Baptist Church. And uh, this is the young man that I was talking about. And uh, over... Has it been 20 years now? 20 years. And, uh, and so still serving God, still wide open and, uh, for the Lord. And I want my friend, Brother Pete Barber, to come. And I want him just to share a word of testimony before the Daughters of Calvary come and sing for us tonight before the message. But it's my honor to have my friend. And I love him with all my heart. I love you, buddy. Amen. Is it on? Make sure you own there, buddy. There you go. Check him and make sure we got him. Hello, hello. There you go. I'm as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Comes with a calling. Just to know nobody saved by the grace of God. Like I said, been been 20 years ago when yeah. Greg asked me to come down and share my testimony. I know she was singing that song about the about the Lord comforting them during that storm and stuff. And, you know, when he got to the other side of that sea, he said there was a maniac that made him there. Maniac of Gadara. And that kind of, to me, that's, that's my testimony, is that maniac living amongst them tombs. And, and uh, how it said there that he was crying and cutting himself all hours of the day and the nights. And I, I remember trying to destroy myself through the lifestyle and stuff that I lived. and I want to go back prior to me getting saved about two and a half years prior to that. I, I had a boy that was born. He had to do a emergency C-section on my wife. and He was five weeks early. I about lost her during this time. And they had to put him in NICU. And I just an old wicked man lived from week to week, payday. I tried to take care of my family. and I'd always... Just tried to take care of myself as well, but but I, I think back to this time and how that that uh, I, I washed over him. I it, it just was a point in time in my life when I I just remember uh, going down seeing him in the NICU and my wife. She never got to see him again for for three days after that he was was born there, and and I remember rolling her down there in a wheelchair. To, to sit with him, I told her I had to go home and check on her stuff there that I had. I was into everything, and and uh, I didn't didn't have no friends that I could trust, so to speak. But I had to go check on on my stuff, and and I, I remember leaving that hospital, and I remember riding down the road and I thinking how I'd wasted my life on all that I've done. I was forty years old. I, I never had nothing to show for nothing. They were on nothing or nothing. And uh, I just remember uh, thinking how I was raised up without a dad and how he'd been rough. And I just uh, 
just a violent lifestyle that I'd lived, and I just remember crying going home that day, thinking how how I'd like to live long enough to see my boy get get a start on life and how to watch over him. You know, there was a love that come there that I, I'd never experienced and never know when I had my son there, and I, I just remember crying going home. And if he's a God in heaven, he heard my cries that day, even though it was two and a half years later. Amen. I tried to straighten up around the house and did some, but but I was at the point in time my boy was a putting on my shoes. He was a picking up my language. He was a bringing me beer out of the refrigerator, and he was getting ready. To, I was a, taking him around. I was an old chicken fighter. I was going around to the chicken fights and all the lifestyle and stuff that I had. He was following right in my footsteps. But that's when God came into my life and. Two weeks prior to me getting saved, Brother Greg come to Oak Glen Baptist Church, who I'm a member of, and told them there's a church. If they want to have revival, they need to get the meanest man in the community saved. And they give him my name. I, I don't know. I had a bad reputation. I could have showed him who I thought was the meanest around there, but he wasn't my name. But they... Uh, I was helping a fellow build a house there in the community during that time, and I went home for lunch one day, and my pastor, Brother Danny Sykes, was, uh, him and Greg was there at my house when I got there for lunch. I'd come home to eat lunch and, and stuff, and they was there waiting on me. By the way, I'd met my pastor 19 years before that. I'd, I'd been in a, a fight up there in town. I'd gotten stabbed in the heart. We'd had a fight there. One man got killed, and they'd stabbed me five times in the chest and twice in the back. I was uh, whooping his boy and he, uh, or whooping one of his buddies and he come down and, and stabbed me while I was there fighting. One of my boys pulled him, one of my buddies pulled him off from me and he, he stabbed him too, but he stabbed another fella, but I woke up in the hospital. They, they actually cut my heart out and put stitches in it. They opened me up and put stitches in my heart and stabbed my lung. One of my lungs was collapsed. Should have died, but the, a cop saved my life. I done bled, was bleeding out, and he saved my life. And I woke up the next morning on life support, and and I met my pastor for the first time. He'd moved up there to take a church in the community, the pastor of the church or at Oak Glen, where I now attend. I, I look back and see how God yep. intervened. Uh, he he tried to tell me about Jesus. I didn't want to hear about Jesus or nothing. I, I didn't know or understand. I was just I don't want him back. I learned my sin in life. And I did just exactly that, amen, 19 years later before God saved me and uh, him and uh, he just happened to be there. I don't know what, uh, I see how God worked all that out in his timing. But here he come two and a half years later and Greg, Greg come there to have that meeting and they brought him out to my house and introduced him to me and uh, he, he looked about like he does now, a little younger looking. I just thought he was kind of a, College style, style, you know, just a young, young preacher that he was 20 years ago, and uh, presented himself nice and stuff, and uh, he talked with me and uh, stuff, invited me to church and everything, and I, I just went right along with them, you know, one, one ear and out for another. I, they treated me nice, I treated them nice, amen. But they, but they left, and then another preacher come, and uh, after that he come. On that following Saturday, and he uh, talked to me about getting saved, and I knowed this man. He was an old coon hunter from up there that I'd known him from, the area stuff, just uh, 
never really liked him. Amen, just the way he was. Coon hunters are very jealous people over one another and stuff. And he, he was the kind of a hunter that would go in and get you spots out of your home bed. Amen. He, he'd wait for you and he'd go in and get you spots. He'd ride around and find out where he's parked and that's where he'd go back and get you, get you hunting spots. Amen. I, but I, I knowed him. He'd come along, talk to me about the meeting they was having out there. And he got he had got involved in that meeting, invited us out to the church there and Talked to me about getting saved and stuff. I didn't understand salvation. I told him that we'd try to get out there sometime, you know. And well, here he come back the next thing. And well, in the meantime, I was a, a feeding up an entry of chickens to take over and fight in Williamsburg, Kentucky. I fought chickens all the time, and uh, I was a feeding up an entry of chickens. And I had me place up in the mountain there, and and he uh, walked back up on the mountain talking with me and. Stuff. And I said, no, I've got to work these chickens. I ain't going to be able to, to get out there. Well, next evening, here he come back again. And he, he finally made me mad, and I, I run him off, amen. And, and stuff. But I told my wife, I said, Dave, uh, these people have bugged me long enough. We're going to go to church. I'd never had my family in church. My wife and my two-and-a-half-year-old boy, she'd grown up in a drunkard's home as well, and we'd never been to church. And I told her we weren't doing nothing this Sunday morning. We was going to church. So we did. We went to we went to church. First time I'd had my family in church, at Oakland Baptist Church. And I sat on the back with my boy. They taught Sunday school. There, and my wife went downstairs with the ladies, and and uh, when when they come back up and still sitting fuss, she went up there and sat with them up up there about halfway. And I sat back there for him. You can only hold a two-year-old long enough, so long. You know, I mean. He got squirming, so I just went outside and waited on him to come out of the church. And I was sitting out there, and my wife come out, and she'd been a-crying. I said, what's the matter, Brenda? She said, Pete said, I felt something in there I've never felt before. I said, you like it? She said, yeah. I said, you coming back? She said, yeah. Will you come with me? I said, no, I felt something in there, too. I didn't like it. I mean, they wanted, <laughs> it wasn't for me. Hey, man, it, it just wasn't. I, I didn't. It just seemed dark and gloomy in there to me. It really did. But uh, we went out and got us something to eat out there, and I went home and watching the Daytona 500. I love to watch a race and gamble and, and stuff and drink me cold beer and watch a race. That was my highlight of my Sunday. Amen. Fifty laps to go in the race, and Brenda said, they're coming to get you, Pete. And I jumped up, thought the law was coming. I was always <laughs> worried about the law. And here come... Here come my pastor and, and this evangelist that Ron Manus come pulling in my driveway. I later learned that they'd had a conversation over the telephone now about me. Ron had called up Pastor Danny and said, I heard Pete and Brenda come to church. And he said, yeah. He said, well, it might be a good time to go visit them. Right now, God may be dealing with them. Pastor said, well, I've done talked it over with my wife, and if they don't come back tonight, we plan on going and seeing them tomorrow night. I appreciate my pastor, amen. And and and, he, and Ron said, well, I just thought that it might be a good time to go visit him, you know, and they hung up the phone. Pastor said when he hung up the phone, that still small voice spoke to him on the inside and said, no, today's today. Said he called Ron right back and said, no, I believe we need to go over today. Well, here they come pulling in my driveway, interrupting my life. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I seen here they are. Oh no, here they are. I sat down there in the, in the recliner watching my race, and Pastor here's talking to me. Living in a little three room house there, and Ron back here sitting at the table talking to my wife. And 
me watching a race. Amen. Was through 42 laps of that race now. Hit down and here come Ron in there. I done run him off once. Come in there. He said, Pete said, Brenda's won't ask Jesus to save her. Said, but she won't do it unless you ask him to save you too. I thought, this preacher, he's getting ready to get it again. Amen. <laughs> Trying to, me, I, I mean, this is what was going through my mind, you know. And I turned around and I said, are you wanting to get saved, Brenda? That's my wife. And I can still see the tears roll down her cheeks. And there was a voice that I'd never heard before on the inside. That told me I, was, I loved her. I did, and I wasn't going to stand in her way. And he showed me that I was standing in her way of getting saved. I said, well, I can't, I can't do that. I said, I'll ask him to save me too then. I didn't know he was going to save me. I just know I was going to ask him. <laughs> Amen. And I cut the TV off. I'll never forget on the screen, eight laps to go in the race. <laughs> hey, that was the last race Mark Martin won. Amen. <laughs> I cut the TV off. <laughs> eight laps to go in the race. And I knelt before a holy God. Whom I'd cursed and blasphemed my whole life. Did not know or did not understand. And I bowed before him and asked him to save me. The best of my ability. I, that's all I, all I know, all I remember. So I asked him to save me and he was a praying. And my wife was a praying. He got through. and I tell you, when I raised up, I felt like I was just going to keep on racing. I mean, I actually had to hold myself down to the floor to keep from floating off the ground. He talked about unloading the sins. He unloaded me of all my sins. All my guilt, all my shame. You know, one of the first things I said, everybody I know will want to feel like this, way like tell them. Hey, been trying to tell them ever since. Hey, they hugged our necks. They cried. We cried. Boo-hooed, snotted over one another. I'm telling you, it was, it was a mess. And they left out. They come. We walked out on the porch, and they left out. And I told my wife, I said, "This thing's real. We're going back in here and do this again. Make sure it's right." I still didn't trust him, preachers. Hey, <laughs> man. I said, "We're going to do this thing right." And I went back in there and knelt beside the bed where my boy was there asleep and held my wife's hands. And I said, God, I've wasted my life out here and all the things I've done I'm ashamed of. And, and I pray if I've got any life left, I'll give it to you. Before you let me go back, I pray you take a breath from my body. That's the vows I said to my God today that He saved me. Amen. That's the vows I said to Him. And I went on, and that, that meeting took back up. I missed that service, that Sunday evening service. I got me a Bible, and I was so busy digging in that Bible trying to figure out what was going on. I know I was going to heaven. I know the change had taken place, but I didn't know what was going to happen when I got there or what was going to happen before I got there. I got me a Bible, and I got to digging in there, and I got to flipping through that TV and trying to find... Them TV preachers, I mean, they was all the time on there aggravating me when I was trying to find a station, amen, trying to find something to <laughs> clue me in on what was going on, amen. But it was a, it was a mess. It was a life-changing experience for me, amen. And my wife, she got saved as well, amen. 
we rejoiced in that. Next day, I didn't go to didn't go to work. I, I had a had a job at a construction outfit there. I, I went back to this other place where I was helping this other fellow build a house on the shut job. I, I worked all the time. I, I mean, I really did and and stuff. I had to to keep up my gambling habits and to my family and all the animals and stuff that I fed. I had to had to stay busy and I'd always work, but. But I, I remember going out there and working for him, and he asked me, to, I want to smoke some pot and drink and stuff. I said, no, I, I've got saved. I, I, I've got saved. And it was just a, a whole Amen. different day. And I was thinking in my mind of everything that was going on in my mind. And I come back that evening, I couldn't sleep. I hadn't slept that night, and I couldn't sleep that, that night. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, I, I sat down I sat down that night and just wrote down names. I, I had, a, I had a book, I just wrote down the names of the people I know that, that I wanted to get saved. I, I sat down and wrote that in that book, that prayer journal. I still got it. And I counted them names. There 300 names. I just went in my mind right around the area. People, I went to nine different schools, two high schools, nine different grade schools, and no people all around that area and where I deal drugs and growed up in the bars and different things. I mean, I, I really had a... I've not only been stabbed in the heart and the lung and in the back, but I've been struck by lightning and I've been run over. I fell out of trees, cliffs, been beat unconscious. Been, I'm telling you, car wrecks. I've crawled out of burning cars and swimmed out of them. And, oh, I just had a, had a, a wicked, rough life. I had only by the grace of God that I survived all that. There's a God in heaven that watched over me, knowing that one day, one day, amen, that that I, oh, that I'd call upon him and, and mean it, amen, he'd save me here. Well, I got to telling everybody I know about the Lord and, and stuff because I know they just, everybody needed to be saved and all they had to do was ask him because that was all I'd done. He saved me. Amen. I said, it's simple. Just ask him. Yeah. Amen. I, oh, and everybody wants to go to heaven. You know, they just don't want to give up their sin. Yeah. They just don't amen. like the repenting part. You gotta turn from your sin, Amen. And you do that all all together, Amen. But I was witnessing to this deputy up there in Gate City and and he said, You need to go out in the jail and tell them guys your story. They the ones who need to hear your story. I said, Well, how do you do that? He said, Well you fill out an application and and I take it in there and the sheriff will let you go back there and talk to those men. So I got the pastor to help me fill out that application. I'd about forgot how to write. I'm telling you I'd I was about down to signing my name with X. I really was. That, nothing mattered to me. Nothing except pleasing this old flesh. That's all that mattered. You know, I, I was believing the lie that I believed that this was my world everybody was walking around in. A lie straight out of hell, you know. Making a God out of myself. Amen. And that, that's what it does. But, but I got that application filled out and I took out there and they let me go back in that jail, and I was familiar with that jail. See, I grew up there in that jail. They actually let me bond myself out of jail before I ever got 18 years old. I mean, I was a young, drunk juvenile that every home football game, I was in jail, amen, for public drunkenness, usually in resisting arrest. I didn't like to go to jail. And every time you try to get away, they'd throw the resisting arrest charge on me. Amen. I was just five foot two and weighed 99 pounds when I quit school, amen. But I had a big mouth and I, I just liked to drink and I was into everything. I grew up with a, 
I, it seemed like I always hung with the wrong crowd. Amen. That was the crowd I, I run with and hung with. That was who I liked. But I, I went in there and never forget the first time, not knowing how they was going to accept me or just that I was going to tell them about God saving me. And I walked around that corner and looked in that pod and there was some old buddies that I hadn't seen in forever. Some I'd went to school with, some I'd partied with down through the years and traded with. But after I said a few of them went around the next pod, there were some more of them. Amen. As I listened to their stories and, and they listened to mine, and oh, I got a burden for them. Oh, I started going back every week, amen, to that little jail there. That was in 2000. In 2005, they, uh, they built up what they call a regional jail. I was going to that county jail every week but they built a regional jail and combined the, the counties together. They put three counties together, Lee, Scott, and Wise. And they took us out to our volunteers that was going to jail and showed us a place where we'd be, the chapel where we could be out there, and you know, as we witnessed in them. And I feel like they expanded my congregation, God did, before He called me to preach, because right after we went out there, God called me to preach, and I've been going out there faithful. See, they always told me I'd end up in jail. And I always had that fear of hanging over. And little did I know that I'd be enjoying. Hey, we have some of the best services, and I'm telling you, God is so real in there. Oh, we've seen lives transformed and see them on the outside serving God through the years. And I'm known around over there for the, what I do. I'm a jailhouse preacher. Amen. That's a, now, don't get me wrong. I like leaving that jail too. Amen. <laughs> I like being able to go out there, amen, but we enjoy that. We go over faithfully every week, every Monday. We used to go Monday and Thursdays, but when Obama was in office, he got it stopped for us preaching to the women in there. Now you've got to say you're a woman before you can go back there and preach to the women. I can put me on a dress and go back there and preach to them, amen, but I ain't going that route, amen. God, God will make a way. He may change this thing around and turn them. They still every now and then a call for us to, to go back there and, and talk with some of them, you know, that maybe have had a death or something in there as, as we come through. There's other volunteers too, these, these ladies that, that volunteer and go back there and, and talk. But we praise God for the work that He's doing there in the jail. And I just want to keep on serving God, you know. I, I want to finish this course. I want to finish this race. Amen. I hope it won't be long. I don't want to see the devil get no more of our young people. Yeah. Amen. amen. I don't want to see no more of our babies. I've got a granddaughter now, six months old. Amen. I, yeah. I thought that boy was something, but boy, I'm telling you, it's grandbaby. She's grand. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. I love her to death. Amen. amen. But, but I, I appreciate coming and being with you all. Yes, love sir. Brother Greg. He's, he's a blessing to me and a mentor to me. Amen. Right there a minute, Brother Pete. Um, when I first when I first went to his house, he had a uh, beard that was wrapped right down to here and dreadlocks, and then his hair was almost down to the backside. And none of those preachers wanted anything to do with him because of his appearance. And then Brother Danny and Brother Ronald uh, loved him and prayed for him. And all of those years prayed that God would touch his heart because he was like a Lazarus in their community. And we knew if they'd be a Lazarus, that would be resurrected God could send revival to that community. And uh, I remember 
there at the little uh, store. We'd go during lunch, mm. and they used to have that restaurant and uh, during the meeting. And I'm telling you, Pete knew everybody, and everybody knew him. And we'd get in there in the restaurant, and uh, we'd be ordering our hamburger, cheeseburger, or something like that. And it wouldn't take but a second. They'd start coming through the door. Pete'd stop eating, and he'd have them corralled up by the doors everywhere. And he'd just start telling them about Jesus, what Jesus done for them. And uh, it didn't take them long to shut the restaurant down. Uh, because we we caused such a ruckus inside there, but no, nah, they shut it down for other reasons. But uh, we had a great time and still yeah. do. And uh, and there's been places that this man has taken me to witness to somebody. I was afraid for my life. I can promise you that. And, uh, and so, uh, but it's been a joy watching Pete Barber serve God. And uh, and every time I go down Yuma Road. I know I can count on seeing my buddy and seeing uh, him continuing to serve the Lord. So I just wanted to surprise you guys uh, with the original Pete Barber and uh, let you see what God's done for him. And uh, we just give Jesus, don't we, all the praise and the glory and the honor. Won't we give Jesus a good round of applause tonight? I love you, buddy. I love you, buddy. I appreciate you. I'd like to say something something else. That... uh...